1: First NFL touchdown for Zach Wilson, and it goes to Corey Davis. Crowder trying to get him out of space, oh, oh, slips oh, a tackle, oh. and there he goes. Crowder, it's a foot race, and Crowder is in there. A 69-yard touchdown. He'll hit, hit immediately he got the handoff, got the handoff. You know and what? that's? <laughs> the q Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you.
0: From the playlikeajet.com digital studio This is Play Like a Jet, my name is Scott Mason You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1 And it's time to get to know your foe, Miami Dolphins edition Last week the Jets played the Bills for the first time this season They've already gotten the Patriots out of the way Getting beat down by them twice And so now the Miami Dolphins come into town for their first meeting with the Jets In the 2021 season And to break down the Dolphins, we bring in Alf Artiaga, who covers the Dolphins for the Three Yards Per Carry podcast. Highly recommended by our friends over at the Rock Pile Report, Drew and Chris. So really looking forward to breaking down the Dolphins with him. Alf, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Oh, thank you for having me. So let's break this down and start at the quarterback position. I actually think that Tua Tagovailoa, when he's been healthy and given the opportunity, has looked okay this year. I'm not saying that he's necessarily on track to be the greatest quarterback of all time, but no reason not to roll with him and see where it goes. I thought he played really well when given the opportunity in that strange game where he came off the bench and nobody could understand why he didn't play in the first place. Then there were all the persistent Deshaun Watson rumors. Talk to me a little bit about what you've seen out of Tua, the entire quarterback position this year with Jacoby Brissett, who our friend George Bremer, who covers the Colts, said in the offseason could not be the quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts. He said the only requirement he had for whoever the starter was going to be in 2021 is that it couldn't be Jacoby Brissett and then the Deshaun Watson rumors and how that's weighed on not just to attack Viola, but the fan base and the organization as a whole.
1: Yeah, well, Jacoby Brissett couldn't be the quarterback of my tag football team on a Saturday. Okay? <laughs> He's just bad. He's just not good. He's not a good NFL quarterback. Is he a good backup NFL quarterback? Will you be the judge? He's come in this year and lost every single game, played poorly in every single game. Of course, the only game that he actually plays well in. Is the game against uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks when our defense was falling apart against them? So he's just bad. Now, as far as Tuatonga Valoa, he is. If you look at his numbers, he has 460 attempts. He's creeping toward what is what should be his average per season because the average is about 34 attempts per game. So once he gets to like about 560, 570, you could judge his numbers when he reaches those numbers. He's going to be somewhere around. 26 27 total touchdowns, 11 interceptions something like that and almost 4000 yards. Any other rookie quarterback has that for their first official 17 starts. Everybody's throwing a parade for them. But for whatever reason Tua somehow is special and he doesn't have the he doesn't get the fanfare that everybody else gets. But as far as Deshaun Watson, that's something that this uh I don't know if it's the front office, the owner, or the coach, but that started very early in the off season, and then it just ballooned up into a drumbeat for the entire season. And it was almost every single question that was asked of Tuatonga Valoa for the first eight weeks until the trade deadline. Then it doesn't happen, and I'm sure that they're going to probably revisit it again. So. Mismanagement of the quarterback position is what the Dolphins have done for the better part of almost an entire year.
0: I have to imagine that having that hang over the Dolphins has not helped the fact that they are arguably the most disappointing team in the NFL this year. You and I were talking before we started recording, and we agreed that either the Dolphins or Washington – based on the expectations going into the season, would have to be considered the most disappointing. Now, you can make the case that Washington gets a little bit of a pass only because their presumed starting quarterback, who you know very well, and so do I, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Ended up getting hurt, and so they had to go with their backup, but still, this is a playoff-caliber roster. They went to the playoffs last year. We know with the Dolphins, they had a winning record last year. Everybody thought they were going to be in there with the Bills competing for the division title, and that hasn't happened. It hasn't even come close. In fact, really, they've been battling with the Jets for the seller of the division. And I think part of the reason, Alf, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here is that they haven't really done that much well on offense. And on top of that, the defense has been incredibly disappointing. And we'll get to the defense in a second. But first, I want to talk about the rushing attack. There really is no rushing attack here for the Dolphins. I mean, you look at it, and it's incredible. Miles Gaskin this year has really struggled, averaging 3.4 yards per carry. And they haven't been able to get anything going on the ground. Certainly not going to help a subpar passing attack that we'll get to in a second. But what's going on here with the running game why has it been so bad so far
1: they don't care to run it and they also changed the entire playbook from last year last year uh, they had Chan Gailey as their offensive coordinator and they used to have a called running game a lot of lead isos a lot of uh, cross bucks a lot of counter plays this year they just run inside zone and outside zone it's very very simplified running game and they just don't have one and they also don't use the correct guy for the 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 right plays either um, Savannah Ahmed has a lot of speed, but you don't see him running outside zone on this team. You only see him running inside zone on occasion and spelling Miles Gaskin, who, in my opinion, is just a third down back. So they don't really care to run it. They don't try to run it. And what they had that was kind of successful last year, they just completely changed it. So it's all self-induced, and it's personnel driven on that side of the ball. Absolutely.
0: What's the story with the offensive line?
1: It's the worst in Dolphin history, maybe. <laughs> it's just it's just really, really, really bad. Uh, last year, they weren't as bad, and they came around toward the end of the year and put up some decent numbers. I guess that's how you win 10 games. And they also had some games where the offensive line actually was the reason that they won games, like when they ran for 250 yards against the, the New England Patriots. Uh, this year, the offensive line, all they've done is, is shuffle guys around, and they – they truly only have one player that should be in their future plans, and that's Robert Hunt at right guard. Uh, their centers have played okay, but their tackles are absolutely awful. Jesse Davis has been really, really bad, and Liam Eikenberg, since they moved him to left tackle, has not been good. He's really a right tackle or a guard. So they have guys playing out of position, but you know that's mostly because A.J., AJ uh, at left guard, Austin Jackson, he's, he was so bad that they moved him at, to left guard, and he's been okay at left guard. But there, I think you can see in the offseason, you're going to see uh, a pretty big overhaul of the entire unit. And it's much, much needed because it's, it's easily the worst in Dolphin history.
0: The passing game hasn't really been doing the Dolphins any favors either. Now, Devontae Parker is hurt. No big surprise there. Happens a lot with him. Will Fuller who they got in the offseason Hasn't been playing again no big surprise Because he misses games constantly And that was one of the reasons I didn't want the Jets To spend any money on him It's mostly just been Jalen Waddle And Mike Gusecki and Mike Gusecki has been putting up Really strong production for a tight end Jalen Waddle on pace for over A thousand yards and around Five or six touchdowns which for a rookie Is really good I think Justin Jefferson Sort of inflated people's Expectations for rookie wide receivers Last year but Waddle has been really really, really good. It's been Waddle, it's been Gusecki, and pretty much nobody else, right?
1: That's it. That's that's all they have. Uh, when when the season kicked off, everybody was pretty excited about having Devonte Parker, Will Fuller, and Jalen Waddle as your top three. And that's a pretty decent top three, especially since Will Fuller last year played every single game until he was suspended at the end of the year. So, you're, you were kind of expecting to have those guys. Will Fuller has played 14 snaps all year or something like that. Uh, he's played in one game, that, that Raider game. So he shattered supposedly his middle finger on his left hand, trying to catch a ball from Jacoby Brissett. And he's been out for seven straight weeks. Devonta Parker's on IR. He's not coming back for another week. So it's been a mess. And last year we were saying, we were thinking about, you know, Tungabailoa is really – Carrying a really subpar group of receivers, so we needed to goose up that that unit. So they decided to go get Will Fuller and Jalen Waddle, and yet here we are once again, and he's thrown to the likes of Isaiah Ford and Mac Hollins once again. So yeah, it's just Mike Geseki, and occasional work from Shaheen and Smythe and Jalen Waddle, and nothing else. It's the, they have those two guys, and that's
0: it. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Before we get into the coaching and the rest of the defense, I got to ask about Xavier Howard who I think is one of the best defensive backs in the entire NFL. I've been saying for a long time that he didn't get enough recognition for how good he is. I think you can make a case he's a top 3 cornerback in the league, but there has been all kinds of up and downs with him in terms of his relationship with the team, him being happy, unhappy. What's the latest with that?
1: Well, they they caved to him, uh, quote unquote, caved in the uh, in the off season when he was he was basically holding in. So he was showing up to every practice, but you know he was unhappy. They gave him a bunch of incentives, and he and he seems to have turned a corner on that regard. He's probably going to ask for something else at the end of the season once again. He was just named AFC Defensive Player of the Week this week, by the way. And in my opinion, the guy who deserved it was his his free safety Javon Holland who I thought played a much better game against uh, the Ravens. But yeah, he's, uh, you know, the, the one thing that he does have on, on his corner is that Brian Flores absolutely loves him. And it's unlike Brian Flores and Tua Tagovailoa's relationship. His relationship with Xavier Howard is much, much different. And it's, He's the only guy who's actively gone out there and said, no, we're not trading him. We're not going to trade him and we want him playing for us for a very long time. So as long as Brian Flores is here, I guess you can see that Xavier Howard will will remain here.
0: Alpha, I want to get into the particulars of the defense in a second, but first, there's a dynamic going on in Miami that is sort of similar to what's going on here with the Jets right now. You've got a defensive-minded head coach, somebody who's known for being a quote-unquote defensive mastermind, and yet the defense has underperformed. For the Jets, certainly we've seen how bad things have been the last couple of games. They're setting records. The Dolphins haven't quite gotten to that level, but for a defensive unit that was supposed to be really strong, this year they've struggled a lot more than people were expecting. What's going on there, and how much of this gets put at the feet of Brian Flores?
1: Well, they hadn't gotten back to what they what they were successful at last year, which was all those zero blitzes and those amoeba fronts, and you know, playing essentially 95% man-to-man. But they're turning the corner. And the last mm-hmm. three weeks, they've played very, very, very well. They played really well in Buffalo. They played – well, they shut down Houston, but, you know, it is Houston. And they completely smashed Lamar Jackson and the, and the Baltimore Ravens. So they're trending in the right direction. And they're also top five in quarterback hits in turnover creation. And I believe that they, they moved up to mid-pack on, on third down where they were dead last – in the league. So they're slowly improving and they're trending in the right direction. And if, if I were to guess, I would say that by season's end, they're going to be some, they're not going to be like last year where they finished six and they were number one going into the final week. But I'd say that they're they'll finish somewhere in the top 10 by season's end. They're trending in the right direction. That's the one unit on the team that you could actually look at and say, okay, they're, they're getting back to what they, what they were.
0: What have been some of the biggest keys to the defensive resurgence the last couple of weeks?
1: It's the the two rookies, Jalen Phillips and Javon Holland, and also the health of Byron Jones and Xavier Howard. Xavier Howard and Byron Jones have not been healthy for two games straight all season. And you could see it in, in some of those games, especially the Tampa Bay game. So it's their health. And it's also the two rookies who have really come up big and, I think it's also the play calling. Like you know, they've been more aggressive, playing more man to man, and it's it really suits the the personnel on this team. And you know, their defensive tackles have been really really good since the beginning of the season. Kristen Wilkins, Zach Sealer, and Raquan Davis have been really good. Raquan Davis, while he was injured, he was on IR for three weeks. They started allowing a lot of rushing yards ever since he came back. You know, it, it pays to have a six seven three hundred and fifty pound nose <laughs> tackle in there and he's just you know they've just stopped the run since he's come back so they have a lot of talent but it's also the play calling that's brought about their resurgence
0: and one of the guys that's been a pleasant surprise for them this year unquestionably is emmanuel agba i don't think anybody's expecting him to have five sacks at this point talk to me about him and some of the other reasons that the miami dolphins defense has started to come back from the grave, so to speak
1: well, Emmanuel Agba had a really nice year last year. I believe he had nine sacks. And he was one of my favorite uh, free agent signings because if you watched them with the Kansas City Chiefs, he just got injured. But when he got injured, he was on pace to have pretty big sack numbers and pretty good pressure numbers. He's playing for his contract, so it's a contract year for him. They're going to have to pay him. He's He's going to be expensive. And, you know, he needed some help on the other side, and he's getting it from Jalen Phillips. And Andrew Van Ginkle. so I wonder if they're if they're really thinking about paying him or not but he's headed for a Pro Bowl season so good for him he's gonna he's gonna make he's stating a pretty strong case for for getting paid and those numbers especially for a pass rush defensive end in his prime they're gonna be pretty pretty big so don't be surprised if he gets somewhere in excess of about 60 70 million dollars
0: Wish I could be his agent and get a cut of that. I'll tell you that much, Elf. But I wanted to ask you also, since we touched on Brian Flores before, what is the story with the coaching? A lot of people have been saying that maybe Brian Flores was getting exposed. You heard some people say that maybe he's comparable in a not-so-nice way to Adam Gase, who got off to a good start in Miami and then sort of cratered out, and we saw what happened here with the Jets. How bad has it been with the coaching? Has it been overstated from people that are on the outside looking in? And do you expect this team to roll with Flores going forward after the season?
1: I do expect them to to run the at least the next two seasons with Brian Flores. Those are the next two years that are under his contract. But the problem with Brian Flores is that he can't put together a staff because evidently he's not the easiest guy to get along with. Mm. Uh, he had Jim Caldwell here for all of about three minutes, and then Jim Caldwell, he was supposed to be the guru on offense, while you know Brian Flores took care of the defense, which is just fine, which is exactly the kind of setup that we kind of want right around here. Mm-hmm. But uh, Jim Caldwell all of a sudden found uh, some health issues and left the team after, <laughs> like I believe it was like three days. So he's had a struggle keeping an offensive coordinator. He had Chad O'Shea fired him, then brought in Chan Gailey, kind of fired him too. And then you have this this two-headed monster that we have at, at OC with Charlie Fry waiting in the wings. So It's just been a mess trying to get uh, a competent coaching staff under Brian Flores because he's, he's just evidently he's pretty hard to get along with. And the worst unit on the team is the offensive line. And he's had three and a half offensive line coaches in three years. So, that tells you all you need to know.
0: Alf, knowing what you know about the Dolphins, how do you expect them to attack the Jets? And if you were the Jets, if you were Robert Sala, Jeff Ulbrich, Mike LaFleur, what would you do to try and exploit Miami's weaknesses?
1: Well, on, on defense, here's the thing. Uh, if if I'm the Jets and I'm presented with Tua to Tungvaloa, how do I defend to a, to a On this Sunday, I it's most guys would say, okay, you want to speed him up, send blitzes. That's not the right way to defend him. You want to put you want to play against them the same way Bill Belichick has played against him twice. And yes, he's beaten Bill Belichick twice. But if you look at his numbers, they haven't been all that great in those two games. What he's done is he's flooded the passing lanes, sent four guys exclusively, and you want to play coverages against him. You don't want to speed him up you speed him up and he's very 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 accurate so he could throw all of those hot routes really well you want to slow him down and try to get him to take short yardage and then you just got to come up and tackle because that's the type of quarterback he is he's going to keep the ball moving moving and he's going to be really really accurate in in the short zone and intermediate passes so that's how you want to defend him as far as the dolphin defense you're gonna have to have a plan for their their zero blitzes because it's a staple of what they wanna do on third downs and and all those those off fronts. You know they're gonna play man, so you gotta you just gotta call a lot of man beaters and you gotta win one on one. That it's as simple as that. You gotta beat Xavier Howard, you gotta beat Byron Jones, you gotta beat Nick Needham. So that's how you would attack I would attack the the Dolphins.
0: Considering everything that we've talked about. How do you expect this to play out on Sunday at MetLife Stadium? You don't have to give me an exact score, but give me a blueprint for how you think this is going to go and give me a range of where you think this will land score-wise.
1: I think throwing to your backs, the Jets have been pretty good throwing to their backs. So, I think that's a way forward and a way they can get on the scoreboard. The Dolphins, I think going to be they're going to throw a lot of short passes, a lot of screens. It's going to be a lot of hot routes. They're going to try to spread the field. They're going to try to play with a lot of space. And they're just, they're just going to try to get a score and try to hold on to it. You know, I would say somewhere around, you know, two touchdowns is what's expected for the Dolphins because of the way they have played as of late. But I would say that this game is going to be – it's going to be a lot closer than most people think. And it's going to be – w- I'll say this. Bet the under. It's, you know <laughs> – Dolphins somewhere in the 20s, Jets somewhere in the low teens. That's probably where the game is going to be.
0: Alf, as I say almost every week on this show, all I want is some entertaining competitive football. It sounds like you're saying we may get the competitive part of that, but maybe not so much the entertaining part of it. But I guess that's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes when you're talking about two teams like the Jets and Dolphins who have struggled so much offensively. Alf Artiaga, who is the co-host of the 3 Yards Per Carry podcast covering the Dolphins, really appreciate you taking the time and coming on and breaking down the Dolphins with me ahead of this matchup at MetLife Stadium between the Jets and the Dolphins. Really appreciate it. For those that want to check you out on social media, listen to your podcast, sample what you're doing, how can they get a hold of you on social media and how can they check out your work?
1: You can follow me on Twitter at ALF underscore Arteaga. And of course, our podcast is the number three yards per carry. Also on Twitter, you can get our podcast wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, iTunes, wherever.
0: Make sure that you follow Alf on Twitter and check out the Three Yards Per Carry podcast. Check out everything we're doing at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. The Thunder from Down Under, Luke Grant, has got some brand new videos that are going to be up all throughout the week. So check them out. They'll have all 22 footage for sure. Make sure you subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Check out our store at teepublic.com, that's teepublic.com, we've got the Zach Says Go Long shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, the Bless You Thank You shirt with Quinn Williams and John Franklin Myers, the Zach the Ripper shirt, it's all there, you can get mugs and all that other stuff too. Tpublic.com TeePublic.com Great artwork too From Luke Grant's significant other Alex You can check out her artwork on Instagram At underscore Can I Be Frank And make sure you give us a 5 star review For the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already Easy way to help out the show If you like what we're doing Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money But it goes a long way to help us out So if you could go ahead and do that for us We'd be quite grateful And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content You know where to go that's play like a jet digital and PlayLikeAJet.com.